I got to go to this Amazon warehouse in Kent, just south of Seattle. And it was totally just wow, the technology. I mean, this is crazy time for Amazon, right? Right before the holidays. But in this warehouse, the robots make it look easy. I am always amazed watching the robotic drive units. There's no other way to put this. They look like they're dancing. The robots are low to the floor, but they're quite a sight because they balance bright yellow cloth towers on their backs. They spin and twirl as they change direction, and they stop at just the right moment to let another robot glide past. It's a beautiful symphony of technology and people working together to fulfill customer orders. So where are all the humans in this? The humans are standing at their workstations, and the robots bring them stuff, at least until those humans get replaced by robots. Ah, uh, the robots, they're taking over. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. The human race can bite my shiny metal! Does not compute. Does not compute. I'm Joshua McNichols. I'm Carolyn Adolph. From KUOW in Seattle, this is Primed. What happens when Amazon comes to your town? I was blown away by what I saw at that warehouse, but all those robots left me a little bit worried. Where's all this heading? This episode, we're asking, what does the future of work look like in a world where machines are learning how to think? It's going to be used across the board as this incredibly powerful tool, which is going to bring all kinds of benefits to us. There's no question that jobs will be lost as a result of robotics and automation and AI. If you don't see people as necessary, then you're going to end up with some really weird outcomes. Back in a bit. We're going to talk about the push for automation and artificial intelligence and how it's changing jobs today. It's important to recognize that this is not a direction owned by Amazon alone. I mean, it's happening everywhere. But you can get a glimpse of what the future looks like in Amazon's warehouses. Here's a warehouse job you can just feel is about to be taken by a robot. Brandon Raymond used to count things for Amazon. He'd stand in one place all day as robots brought things for him to count. It's a quality control job, and it can get pretty repetitive. So Raymond and the people around him used to sing. We started doing duets, like we would do concerts. It would be hilarious. What kind of stuff would you sing? I know we did the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down, and I'd like to take a Sounds like a fun atmosphere. Yeah, it was at first. But then... We were only supposed to have 12 errors in a four-day span, which is three a day. And that is, that's really hard to do in a span of 10 hours. To cut down on errors, Raymond says Amazon separated the workers. It got really boring. Coming in and then you're counting stuff so early in the morning, and then you're just like one, two, three, you start getting sleepy and you're like, oh. Oh, that doesn't sound fun. But you know who doesn't get bored or tired at work? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Robots. Ah! Back to work. Everybody. Work, 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 work. work the only work. reason a human like Brandon Raymond had his job is that he had the visual processing skills and the manual dexterity that robots don't have. Yet. And as soon as a robot can do what Raymond can do, they'll probably take that job. Martin Ford is a futurist and the author of The Rise of the Robots. He says machines have been taking people's jobs since the start of the Industrial Revolution. 
But so far, it's worked out. Take what happened when farming got mechanized. Now, in the short run, that did cause disruption. I mean, there were people that didn't have jobs and they, they crowded into cities looking for for employment. But over the long run, it, 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 it resolved itself. And ma- basically what happened is that people moved first into factories, right? Then factories automated and factory workers moved to the service sector. So today in the U.S., we've got something like three quarters of the population working in the service sector um, and almost no one working in agriculture. So that's been a big shift over time. There are a lot of jobs at Amazon that could be in for that kind of shift. Andrea Neri has a job at Amazon filling a truck with boxes. Whatever box comes is whatever box you sort of have to work with. She builds a wall of boxes in the front of the truck. Once it reaches the ceiling, she starts on a new wall. And I always tell people, like when I would train, I would always tell them, it's like playing Tetris. And all people are like, oh, Tetris, I get it. Of course, computers can play Tetris too. And they can beat humans doing it. Amazon recognizes this and they're doing something about it. They're sending warehouse workers to school. Like, if it wasn't for Amazon, honestly, I don't even think I would have my certificate as a nursing assistant. Amazon paid for Neri to take nursing classes. The classes are held right at the warehouse. It's a program called Career Choice, and warehouse employees can participate after they've worked there for a year. Amazon estimates about 10% of its warehouse workforce is enrolled at any time. You can even train to fix robots. Until such time as the robots can fix the robots. <laughs> right. I mean, but that, that brings up this interesting issue. I mean, Amazon says that whenever they bring in robots to a warehouse, they actually hire more people. So they're saying that robots create more jobs than they destroy. Wait a minute, though. I have to push back a little here. I mean, Amazon is a growing company, and it's growing at the expense of economic sectors that are losing jobs. So it's hard to really see what the overall economic picture is. Yeah. But whether bringing in robots results in a net gain of jobs or not, we cannot rely on the past to tell us what's going to happen in the future. Because the next wave of automation is fundamentally different. Robots are learning how to think. That was always our thing that we did. Now artificial intelligence has changed the game. Robots will learn how to stack boxes. They'll figure out how to count objects. Maybe they'll even manage this warehouse. No job is safe. Coming up, robots are coming for your job. You might have heard about this Oxford and Yale study. There was an article about it in Mother Jones, and it had this ominous title. You will lose your job to a robot and sooner than you think. The study surveyed 350 experts in artificial intelligence about when machines will be better than humans at certain processes. Then they averaged the results to come up with a rough timeline. Folding laundry is five years away. Woohoo! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Driving a truck is 10 years away. Conducting surgery, 35 years away. Ooh, that kind of sounds like a horror movie. <laughs> and speaking of horror, Bosses. Artificially intelligent bosses are 42 years away. In fact, by 2060, AI will be able to do every human task. People who are little kids right now will be middle-aged. This is their future. But what about, you know, art? AI can actually write music now. Here's a sample. 
I actually kind of like that. It sounds a little bit like David Bowie. And I think it sounds rancid, but it's not the point. Up to now, automation has helped to create new kinds of work. And those jobs have come to support more and more of us, especially in the service sector. But with artificial intelligence, all that changes. It's hard to find an economic role for most people in the future. Douglas Rushkoff is a professor at Queen's College at the City University of New York. He wrote, Throwing Rocks at the Google Bus, How Growth Became the Enemy of Prosperity. He argues that the Industrial Revolution was always going to lead us here. Really, the object of the game since the beginning of corporatism, since the beginning of the Industrial Age, is to get humans out of the equation. You know, when we invented the assembly line and mass production, it was not so that we could make better stuff faster. It's always been about getting people out of the way. And it worries him. You know, if you don't see people as necessary or as, as the important figures in the story, then you're going to end up with some really weird outcomes. Like there are no good jobs left for anyone who's not a software developer. And that doesn't work, according to Todd Bishop, co-founder of the tech news site GeekWire. I think it is extremely condescending when people in the tech industry say, well, just learn how to code, because that is not the solution for society. It's not the solution for many individuals. And so I, I don't think that's the comprehensive answer. So is there another answer? There's this idea called universal basic income. That's when everyone gets paid something just for being alive. A paycheck for having a pulse. Because if people don't have jobs, they can't provide for their families. They won't be able to buy stuff. I bet Amazon wouldn't like that. <laughs> Other corporations wouldn't either. A lot of tech leaders have come out in favor of this. Here's Elon Musk of Tesla. I think ultimately we will have to have some kind of universal basic income. I don't think we're going to have a choice. The harder challenge is how do people then have meaning? Hmm. Well... I mean, if we got a universal basic income, I think I, I would still be doing public radio, honestly. And I would definitely be on a beach. <laughs> Douglas Boshkoff is not convinced by the idea of universal basic income. What they're fantasizing about is the idea that the government will give people money to then spend at these companies, give them universal basic income so they can keep consuming Uber rides and Amazon products and streaming media. Um, but eventually, even that goes away. He can't see how that could be sustainable. People have to be creating some kind of value um, in order to keep consuming. He's saying the universal basic income isn't enough. A survival wage for millions of people is not going to sustain our economy. So we've heard why in the future we probably can't all be software engineers and why some people think universal basic income won't work. Meanwhile, the robots are still taking over, and it looks like most of us are not going to have jobs. What should we do to prepare for that kind of future? That's coming up. Ten years ago, Janice Ray made a radical choice. She decided to give up airplane travel. It started as a gesture to fight climate change, but it ended up giving her a deeper sense of place. Modern life requires of us to be so fragmented. We leave the places we love. We leave, most of us leave the family we love. Why do we fly? And what would happen if we didn't? 
I'm Ashley Ahern, host of Terrestrial, a podcast about the choices we make in a world we've changed. You can listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We've been talking about how artificial intelligence is at an early stage. It's already replacing some jobs, and now it's about to really take off. In 40 years, we could all be out of a job. So how should we feel about this? I asked Todd Bishop. Should people be excited or scared? (laughs) Both. People should be both excited and scared. And there's a lot to be excited about, according to Martin Ford. You know, artificial intelligence is going to be used uh, in medicine, in science, uh, in clean energy to solve climate change. I mean, it's going to... It's going to be used across the board as this incredibly powerful tool, which is going to bring all kinds of benefits to us. Would it be too much to ask if a robot could just bring me a glass of wine? That's easy. I mean, we could whip out a robot for that with my son's Arduino set and the 3D printer he's getting for Christmas, but don't tell him. The future is going to come one way or another. So seriously, what are we supposed to do? Martin Ford has a 10-year-old daughter. He thinks about that a lot. It's really hard to... Imagine what the world is going to look like when she's, say, 30 or 40 years old. Here's his advice to other parents. Focus on things like creativity, you know, really try to create an environment for your kids where they value learning, where they love to learn, um, because everyone in the future is going to have a lifelong focus on learning, for sure. No one is going to learn one thing and then be able to apply that thing for a whole career. I mean, that, that that's over with. Ford has another piece of advice, too. He says we're really going to need a strong social safety net. So things like unemployment benefits, um, food stamps, you know, general forms of welfare and so forth. These are programs that, as I look to the future, I suspect a broader range of people are going to have to rely on. Martin's final piece of advice is start talking about this now. It's going to be a a very uncertain future in terms of how all of this plays out. And that's a big part of the reason that I spend so much time talking about it, because I do think these are issues that we really need to think about and talk about and and have active debates about, because we're going to have to come up with solutions. It's not not the kind of thing we can just sit back and and let it happen and, and hope it all works out. So what do you think we should do? You can weigh in on our Facebook page. Search KUOW Primed. And start talking about this with people you work with and want to elect and with people you care about. If we don't start talking about it now, we could run out of time. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. Primed is a production of KUOW Public Radio in Seattle. Our editor is Carol Smith. Our producers are Posey Gruner and Caroline Chamberlain. The humans who think they are in control of this podcast are Brendan Sweeney and Jill Jackson. Our theme is Ripples on an Evaporated Lake by Raymond Scott. You also heard Heartline by Pesner. You can find links to their work on our website. This podcast is supported by the listeners of KUOW Public Radio. Okay, okay, that's enough robots. Support us by giving us your review on Apple Podcasts, whether you like Primed or even if you don't. Telling people about it helps us find interested listeners. We have one more episode of Primed in January. One more episode. I know. (laughs) That's when we'll look at what a second Amazon HQ tells us about the future of cities. See you then. See you then. (laughs) Ah, blew it. See you then. See you then. 
pathetic. We would never make a mistake like that. See you then. See you then. See? It's easy. Very easy. Humans. Am I right? <laughs>